0: Welcome to my mom's podcast. Hi, I'm Marisa Calderon, and you're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm capturing the early childhood journeys of educators, including discussions and strategies on best practices for children, birth through third grade, and sharing them here for you.
1: Welcome to this episode of Early Childhood Journeys. This is Vincent Orlick. I'm here with the normal host <laughs> of Early Childhood Journeys, Miss Marisa Calderon.
0: Oh, good. I I was hoping you wouldn't mess that up. Uh,
1: well, wait. I'm not done with my introduction, <laughs> honey. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should disclose that.
0: This is that.
1: yes. This is uh, this is Marisa's husband, Vincent. I'll I'll, I'll clarify. Um, we're sitting here at live at Phoenix Startup Week, and um, I, I'm running around doing a bunch of things, Marisa's running around doing a bunch of stuff, learning a lot, connecting with entrepreneurs and um, startup people all over the place, meeting new friends, yes. and having a blast um, in between her normal, regular jobs, Yeah, um, among other things, of course, being a mom, being an awesome wife.
0: Thank you. Yes,
1: those are jobs.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> I need a raise. Go ahead. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. So, but w- we wanted to we wanted to um, hop on here and and really we have these conversations a lot at home. Yeah. And thank you for joining me, by the way, on your own show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm like, who wants to know about me? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well. It, well no, people want to know I think. I think it's I think it's valid. So we have these conversations at home and about podcasting and about this the the business world and the startup world and the tech world and how it relates to early childhood. Right. And I I think it does. I know you know it does. Now I do. Well now you do. I mean I but maybe um, start out with why Why you're saying now you do? What, what was it where you didn't think it related?
0: Um, because I've been in the early childhood field for so long, and I felt like I was in this bubble. So I didn't really think that folks outside of early childhood, um, especially like the business, startup, community, um, some of these um, tech folks that I've gotten to know, like, would have an interest in the work that people like me are doing in our in within those communities Mm -hmm. and I guess it wasn't until I would come back from one of my travel days um doing my work and I'd come back to you and tell you like all all about it um I want to mention that I I didn't get into podcasting um just by doing it it was because being inspired by Vinny um, with his podcast and how I love I loved listening to the podcast. And I was driving around a lot uh, in my work, uh, working with uh, kindergarten teachers. So it gave me a lot of time to listen to not just my education, audiobook stuff, but um, podcasts that dealt with my field and also things outside of that, things that are about entrepreneurship and business and the fact that I was I am. I do have my LLC. Mm-hmm. So, kind of going back to that, I, I felt like that's kind of how I, I, I jumped into this. I landed into this just being inspired about telling some stories and highlighting um, the teachers that I work with. Yeah, and, and that's really kind of what it, what it um, evolved to.
1: Sure. And what you mentioned um, listening to shows, like what, what are. Just off the top of your head, I know it's on the spot. You don't your phone's there, but just off the top of your head, what what are what are some of the shows, be they related to the field or just in general, um, that that inspire you?
0: I always get asked this. Um, one of my favorite shows is the TED Radio Hour because I feel that it it handles topics that are across um, work jobs like genres. You. There was just one about adaptation the other day that I listened to. Um, That one's a really big one for me because while it is, I'm such an education, like knowledge sick, but it's also entertaining as well. It's really uh, nicely produced and I'm a big fan of that, of Guy Raz. Um, That one is a big one. there's another podcast for anybody that is in the education field um, from ASCD called the whole child podcast and that's kind of more for uh, um, teachers and paraprofessionals but for fun I also love like those NPR Um, there's that show (laughs) like not not the ask me another it's another one Um, dang it I'm going to go back to it
1: because I I like that you just said for fun I like to listen to NPR (laughs) (laughs) I've, and and that's why I, we're that's why we're married. I, that's why because I that I would see that as being somewhat fun too. But most people, I don't think would be listening to NPR for fun necessarily. There is some, but there fun are fun stuff, yeah. yeah,
0: like NPR. Um, I just like their selection of stuff. I I, I know that I'm gonna get. I don't know. It, it might lean towards liberal, but. That's, I guess that's what it is. It's you. It's um, what do you like. The I mean, Ask me another that mm-hmm. that one, um, but it was, dang it! I have TED Radio Hour. Latino USA is actually one of my other uh, favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's here's a the thing uh, with Alec Baldwin that I like. That's entertaining, and then there's some some that are more culturally relevant for me. is like the Tamarindo podcast, and it, it deals a lot with um, political. Stuff with Latinos, the art scene. Um, it's based out of LA, also, so I can it kind of resonates with me.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, let me ask you this: Are there are there ones in that could be that are either in the field that you work in or related to the field directly that you listen to?
0: Yeah, the Mindshift podcast is from. A radio station, an educational radio station. I think it's out of U.S. Berkeley that mm-hmm. I listen to a lot. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do with mindfulness, um, and not just with little kids, but for big kids as well. Uh, they'll have different things. Like I just posted something about um, the power—the power in podcasts in school. How um, getting uh, high school students to love the the joy of reading, but but transferring that into a podcast, and so they're listening to these stories and then they're um, researching the information and taking it further versus uh, just reading the book. Not that that there's anything wrong with that. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it certainly is another tool that teachers can have that is with the current trend of of podcasts.
1: Well, how about even so we have a 4 year old and a 17 year old yeah <laughs> and our 17 year old the other day i i asked her cuz she was sitting there with the great gatsby the book yeah for her her english class and then she also had it pulled up on youtube and she had the chap like there's chap chapters that are read mm-hmm. aloud on youtube and and at first i was like what are you doing like you're just are you just Getting through the book by listening to it, skipping through like she's reading the book by listening to an audiobook version and kind of getting almost a cliff note version. Um, <laughs> but no, she had the book too. She had the book and she had there was someone reading it, so it's like that that dual yes um, experience.
0: The supple- using technology mm-hmm. like the use of podcasting as a supplemental tool for learning, and that's what I that's why I like doing the podcast and listening to them and so we do talk about that amongst my circles in education and then it's nice because then I can also we also have that in common with some of the folks that are outside of the education field as well my, mm-hmm. my early childhood peeps is what I said
1: and yeah so talk about a little bit how, who who typically has is on the show this show early childhood journeys um, and and who you might be looking to get on the show going forward So the types of people, not necessarily specific people, but if you know those, that's great. But well, I like my wish list. You always tell me my list. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, the the podcast, um, my vision of it is to bring folks on that are doing some phenomenal work that their stories are not being told. And these are these can be teachers that are in the classroom. Or educators that it somehow advocate or work on behalf of children zero to zero to eight, and I want to make sure and clarify that. That's my background is zero to eight. While I always get asked questions about the older kids, I purposely did not um, emphasize my studies in the older kids because they are I find them scary. Sometimes I remember back in the day, like having a teenager, I I just can't, I, you know, I'm only going through this experience because I, we have a 17 year old, although now I'm definitely more confident, but I, my, my focus is zero to eight years old, which is early childhood. And so the other day when we had um, Carla on the show, we, her and I laugh about, you know, her thing is she's scared of little kids. Hmm. And I'm scared of the big, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't take the constant eye rolling. I mean, I can already feel it when my teenager does it to me and, um. But it's not, it's not being scared of No, them. but like it's, not, yeah, But no,
1: just no. handling uh, their see, emotions and, and yeah. me
0: I feel like, I, I feel like I, the patience, I guess, um. It takes a different type of energy for me, I I suppose, Um, even though I feel like they're just taller and um, (laughs) I just, I just need to be more, more well rested. And I, and probably because we do have at home, I have, we have the two, uh, the four year old and the 17 year old, and they are both, uh, equally, um, (laughs) high (laughs) knees. I, yeah, I was waiting to see what word was going to come up there. <laughs> Where I need to be available and
1: my word, my oh sorry, my word was going to be amazing. <laughs> so they're both equally amazing.
0: Yes, that that, that too, and that's a whole another episode. Parenting the, the, the age gap, and for those that wondered about the age I always get that is um, our oldest is from a previous uh, marriage, um, Salma, but um, it's she just. <laughs> you can leave it at that. Yeah. You know. She cracks me I, up. She, she's, she's yeah, she cracks me up. So anyways, I don't know um so so early childhood zero to 8 um that's what the original mm-hmm. plan was to focus on highlighting the those teachers and I was doing all this traveling and talking to kindergarten teachers especially preschool and kindergarten teachers and I was um in the middle of flipping classrooms we call it flipping classrooms and um i was getting these stories and sometimes they would be crying because they're just the pressure that they
1: have the teacher the
0: teachers yeah. uh uh-huh, of of implementing their curriculum and trying to connect emotionally with you know 30 kids and a lot of the, the kids having these really high um, emotional social emotional needs and um but they're still in the field and there would be some that they were considering leaving the field and you know going to work at Costco. Nothing, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know these were master teachers that were phenomenal, but they were getting burnt out. And so I was coming home and I was you know I'm like oh my god, talking telling Vinny about these teachers. I felt so bad, and I'm like, but everybody had something similar within their stories. And because teachers a lot of times are isolated in their classrooms, you know you're talking about six to eight hours a day of very little adult interaction. So you can't bounce ideas off of others, your you know. Let alone maybe you get to go pee, you <laughs> know, at some point and scarf down your lunch. Right, <clears throat> so, and that's,
1: that's what people like. I don't think the general public, when they think of being a teacher or teachers, like you don't that just that one thing that you said about very little adult interaction. Yeah, I, I don't think that's something people think about when they think about what teachers do. Yeah, and the fact that it's just they're working with kids all the time, but There's really not other adults around during the day, here and there. But maybe, but in general, it's and there's there's an element of you you do need that. Yes. As a person, as an adult, you need that other adult interaction.
0: Yes, and so that's what it was coming to. Every time we would, because we were returning back to these sites, and so we would have these little, I call them little teaching therapy sessions. Um, And I was getting some of these stories, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to share this because Mm -hmm. such and such teacher at this other school has the same experience. We need to connect you guys and so um I was kind of brainstorming this idea with my travel buddy uh Debbie about you know how do we connect these teachers and um they need a there needs to be a support system where we can talk about practice but at the same time it's a safe place to talk about some of our failures and some of our frustrations and that's when now you were mentioning about, you should start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Why why does anybody want to hear about that stuff?
1: (laughs) It's interesting stories.
0: That's all it is. And I've realized after some research that it's not being done, at least not in Arizona. There isn't an um, Arizona-specific podcast that focuses on the early childhood educator, their practice, and um, their feedback. And how they're doing their work and Mm -hmm. highlighting them and raising them up, you know, showing them some love and appreciation too. So it just snowballed after that. I started doing it and everybody was just uh, in my circle, was really excited about it and was referring me names and connecting and telling people about it. And it's, I I mean, it's not a lot of episodes. I think we're at 23. But then again, I do have a full-time job.
1: But that doesn't matter. The the number of episodes... (laughs) doesn't matter. I mean it's it, ma- it matters for whatever it's worth, but it's not like oh you have this many episodes that means it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's not good. You know, it's it's the you could have one episode and it's the greatest. Yeah. You could have 100 episodes and they're all rotten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlistenable, you yeah. know, like yeah. it's 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 just what you bring to it and and you know, personally, I, of course, I'm biased, but I <laughs> I think you bring a lot to the table with that because you you know you you've been in these situations dealing with these teachers you've also been in situations dealing with the kids yeah um, different different types of kids different needs different all different things right um, but you can you can speak from experience you can relate to them mm-hmm. you uh, are able to bring in the, the folks that you know other people want to hear from in the the field too.
0: Or should hear from. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, we talk about that too. I mean, it gave me an opportunity to go down kind of memory lane for me about all of these educators from my past that I've worked with, alongside with, um, have collaborated with at some point or another, some folks that have been mentors or, um, uh, you know, my boss at at some point, one mm. of my episodes is with Imelda Cordova, who is with um, Arizona Children's Association. And um, she, she has a huge, huge uh, position overseeing the foster care kinship program for like a region in Arizona. And her and I started, I think, when uh, Salma, she's 17 right now, my teenager, and Salma was maybe like four years old uh, when her and I first met. Um, I, I was like, you, you gotta do me a favor. I need to interview you because your work is, is really powerful. And and her and I connected uh, from a long time ago. So it it was a really, it wasn't. Um, it felt like just connecting with the friend. And that's really what I wanted to feel like where the teacher's just sitting in there with us. And I tell this to others, like we're just having a little cafecito maybe, like a little cup of coffee or, or a margarita. I mean, <laughs> whatever it can be. We've done it over tacos. We've done that too. And it's, you're just listening in on just this candid conversation about um, early childhood.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the the actual like sort of well, we'll get to the, the business side, I guess, in a second. But your wish
0: list—give
1: mm. a couple names that you, because you never know if someone's listening to this and knows that person or knows someone that knows someone, and you could get that person on the show. Like it could help. So, who are who are a couple people or more than that, if you can think off the top of your head, um, that you would love to have on?
0: Um, I I have had the the honor of honoring some of those people like Karen Ortiz with the Helios foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like Terry Clark from, um, read on Arizona, we've worked with her at, indirectly through the grant work I've done, but that would be awesome. Um, it's a new CEO now at the first at first things first. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, Oh my gosh. Her name just now.
1: Well, that's okay. The CEO of First Things First. Yes, and
0: folks from like the Virginia G. Piper Foundation because these are folks that are, or those are agencies too that are early childhood related that are grant. They're they're like um, philanthropy Mm -hmm. agencies except First Things First is a a public um, entity that is funded through tax dollars. But um, folks like that, that would be awesome. I mean, I always joke around about I, I love a sponsor, Um, I know I had an episode at the Tacos Chihuahua's place (laughs) (laughs) that's on uh, off McDowell in Phoenix and with um, Regina doing an interview with her. And I'm like, I'm always up to, hey, if you want to sponsor with tacos, I'm all for it. Um, But yeah, like United Way uh, CEO would be awesome. Because I think it just we need to have this conversation to bring awareness outside of our early childhood bubble so that our business community is aware of the needs of our field.
1: Right. And how about tying it in with going back to the idea of tying it in with tech and the entrepreneurial community, um, which I know, I know you've done to a point also because I went to it, even the, you know, the movie showing. Oh yeah. With that. Um, and we had, among other folks, there was Diana Vowles from Galvanize, yep. the GM yep. of Galvanize. She came and lent – there was a panel after the movie showing. The movie was about uh, school in San Diego.
0: It's high-tech high. High-tech high. The movie – it's a documentary mm-hmm. called Most Likely to Succeed. And it was a screening done by the consulting company that I'm contracted with called Alessi Group. And that's – the owner is Dr. Isela Garcia. Um, and we put together the screening with a panel of business and educator um, representatives. And,
1: and was that the library before it got yeah, flooded?
0: I know. It's <laughs> coming library. back. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. So we had a, an, an evening to screen the movie and then do some questions. And basically we're trying to shift the culture of um, getting away from these worksheets, doing project-based learning, hands-on engagement. And the tech piece, while I love tech. I love the apps that that make my life easier and more functional for, for little children, specifically for little children, it has to be used as a supplement. It's not to take over the learning or the teaching for the older children. Um, it's kind of the same way, but it's depending on their age. Yes. The high need to understand um, tech development, using 3d printers, all of that. Um, but it I don't want it to overtake the importance of teenagers or our youth learning how to be collaborative, how to be creative, those soft skills that they need. Um, so that's the, our that movie really shows shows that because it shows them having to work together in groups. Right. It's Socratic method yes. and all that yeah. Yeah, it's completely led by um, the teenagers, their their projects their end of year projects, and yet they still scored very high in their math and reading skills. So there's something to say about that.
1: And, and tying it back to also, and I think this is partly what she talked about on the panel, was the, the people that are in the tech world that are developers these days and entre- even entrepreneurs, um, tying that back to them at, in early childhood. <sighs>
0: you can go down that. So, well no, like, I mean
1: it's, it's just we can just touch on it. You know, like it's not that there's I no, mean no, no, whatever I get the correlation it. is. No,
0: we can do So yeah.
1: Okay, so How does that work? What does that even mean? Like t- tying it back to them at, at an early age to you know, something a, they're doing now. There is
0: a very clear uh message and it's been the statement of technology use in our little kids has been um, put out plenty of times if I recommend going to the Fred Rogers Center. It's the Fred Rogers Center for Early Learning and Children's Media. That's Mr. the website. Rogers, That's Mr. Rogers's Rogers site yeah. and it started in 2003. That's what I go off of as far as the appropriate use of media with our young children. And this is children under 8, okay? As my example is when you have an iPad like when you with Valentina with their 4-year-old and you um are using or she's using the iPad, you're sitting right there with her and you're also engaging in the activity with her.
1: It's like playing a board game. Mm-hmm. Really, right?
0: Yes. It's not to just leave her alone with the iPad for a long extended of period right. of time. Although we know we've all been guilty of that, me myself, when I'm having to get myself ready in the morning. But that's the idea, is to um, support children's development through social skills, giving them the opportunity to play. And the uh, tech is supposed to be as a supplement. Um or just to be aware of how you are using it. Not to say don't use it at all. Absolutely not. We're aware. We know they're going to be used. We know parents are have their devices and we know everyone is really well connected. So that's definitely not the stance that we're going to have. <clears throat> but with the older high school kids, there's this, um, the app development, the software development, I say the, the tech development. Remember that 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 doesn't happen. Unless little kids, at, when they're younger, get an opportunity to do play, uninterrupted child-led play, engaging outside, being social—all of those skills you need to have to, in order for you to start to, to um, get that creativity and to c- have that innovation to later create those apps and that software and write that code—all of those things. I, I'm, I love um, apps and tools that are gamifying (laughs) learning but remember to also include that social component nothing can replace that human connection as well so while it's awesome that we can face time from across the world and we do talk about that use the technology in the classroom and being able to for example um have a conversation with an astronaut that's out in on um, in space you know but remember we have to tie it back to the, the brain needs that engagement they, the brain needs that actual um, sensory experience as well. So what I am seeing is the 21st century skills push for our older kids. yes, it, it does include technology, but it, it's not to um, overtake it mm-hmm. right. It's those it's those six C's now, you know it's that collaborative collaboration, creativity, communication, um, I'm forgetting one. I'm forgetting two of them. Forgetting okay, a couple. Yeah. But you get you get <laughs> yeah, yeah. hopefully you guys get the point. Yeah, of course. I love technology, but remember it can't be the end all be all. And when we are struggling for children, especially our youth and college aged kids, their social emotional needs um, are not being met. Mm-hmm. There's depression and suicide and all this stuff. We need to make sure that it's not because they're not interacting and talking with other human beings. It can't be replaced by tech. Like I, I just I can't bend on that. <clears throat> and that's for me that's really important. So yeah. yeah. I mean I was at the Girls in Tech event. I was really honored to be invited to have my table there. And I can't tell you how amazed everybody was because I took a scribble bot, a scribble bot that was made um, yeah. talk
1: What is that exactly?
0: So a scribble bot is ma- made out of recycled materials. It's like a little um, motor that's only used with a double A battery. That you can hook up a different type of recycled little stick or whatever to make it like propel. It has a little propeller thingy on it. And we show teachers, kindergarten teachers, how to do an engineering project with their kindergarten students. And so this was part of that. And I took this scribble bot and I think I have pictures of it on my website. And um, they thought I bought a kit. They thought it was like a, like (laughs) Like something you buy and put together and and put together. And I'm like, no, this is a carton, an empty, like, I think it was a butter from butter, a butter, you know, butter container Mm -hmm. and um, some mark, some Crayola markers and some um, painter's tape. And then some glue sticks that were like taped on just for, because it has to be weighted. Um, but it was the funniest thing. And they're like, where did you buy this? <laughs> Who, Who's the maker of this? What company is sponsoring you? I'm like, what? No. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't need to buy any kit or nothing like that. This is part of being innovative. This is part of being creative. It's allowing children to create the, their own little scribble bots and what they can be made out of. Yeah.
1: Build something. Uh-huh.
0: Just all you got to do is give them the materials and guide them. That's it. You know, and, and it all comes back and it all ties back to curriculum um, and learning standards. Um, so I thought that was really interesting.
1: And, and along those same lines uh, with, there's a lot of talk about getting kids into coding.
0: Mm. Like we
1: hear that right now yeah. all over the place, which it's not a bad thing, huh. but um, it's just, it's a hot topic about oh yeah, get your kids started on coding. and So I know that you and I have, I've asked you that question before because we see it all the time. Yeah. And what, where are you on that?
0: I We've talked about this and I've had little discussions as well with my colleagues about coding and we, I, I am aware that it is a skill that needs to be, that we need to be aware of, that kids need. Um, and there's a developmentally appropriate way of teaching it. It's called DAP, DAP is the short form form of that. There's a DAP way of teaching coding where I don't even need a software or anything like that. It starts with, it's like, it reminds me of a board game and helping children with little cards or, you know, flash, even just your homemade one with index cards of directions, of arrows. That's it, of arrows. And you have a little kind of game piece and we draw a grid. And I know I was showing Benny how the, how the concept worked. And talking about, you know, I don't need to buy this coding kit. I can just Make present it. this um, concept at a very young level, at a fun level, where they are actually moving their body and doing the code by stepping forward, moving backward, turning around, doing all those steps. Um,
1: well, let me let me throw this in because <clears throat> <laughs> because you you got this this board. It's basically like a like a floor game, yeah. like a board game. It's for little kids and it's just what you were describing it's got all the all the little cards that have like an arrow or a little bot um the circuitry that's supposed to be like the pathways and things yeah i don't know how to code i know me i know nothing about coding so i'm literally sitting there learning with her with the four year old <laughs> like was as we were doing that i'm like oh, so you have to make like, okay, this is gonna direct this way and then you have to add another one that actually makes you turn. This arrow makes you turn and pivot um, before you can move forward again. Like, And that's kind of the basics yes. for coding. Yes. Right? I, but I was learning it at the same time. Yeah. It was just funny. It's like for adults <laughs> that don't know how to code, guess what? There's a board game you can get that's for four years, years old and up. <laughs> that will teach you how to code with your like walking on it and stuff
0: yeah and and i think it's funny because you know the well the the point of the coding uh for little kids and as they get older is our thing is don't don't limit it to just the the program when they finally do do the code on um, ipad or wherever on the screen transfer that experience into a hands-on classroom experience and there's lots of um, ex- examples of that online on how perhaps the little character that is being used on the soft, you know, in the software that you're, con- that the child is, um, controlling, they create a, um, Play-Doh version of that, you know, in another er- learning area in the classroom. It's just taking that information and bringing it back so that it's not just a sit down activity that m- essentially might replicate like a worksheet. And that's what we right, don't want.
1: Right. Yeah. We don't want that. Um, Okay, so going back also to some of the things that we typically discuss,
0: (laughs) when this comes up, Uh, more about more more
1: on the podcasting side. It's more on the podcasting side. Um, What are some of the things that now that you have you have your own podcast, you're doing it pretty regularly, which is weekly. Yeah, I'm trying trying to release
0: every two weeks, like two podcasts a month.
1: So logistically, let's okay. You, how do you typically get a guest? We'll start with
0: that um,
1: referral I get referrals
0: yep I get lots of referrals um, which social is, media. which is great yeah by social media um, I'm lucky enough to have uh, be in a position right now through my grant where I'm I get connected and exposed to different um, teachers whether it's preschool age or kindergartners um, I also do some coaching work in a preschool classroom preschool classrooms and so i get some ideas from them and then at some point we schedule a time where we can meet uh, or do it over um we, i do like a conference call as well when we can't meet like i have some remote mm. folks that i can't travel to <clears throat> that i've had on the on the podcast as well but yeah um
1: with, i with social media are you reaching out to people on social
0: media here no, and there no i haven't um, not not directly through, on social media. I, actually, yes, on Facebook, somebody made a comment about something and and reached out to me, and then I'm like, oh, well, while I have you, while we're messaging, hey, would you be mm-hmm. interested in getting on my podcast? So yeah, that's happened a, a couple guess.
1: times. Well, I mean, even say Twitter. Like there's, if someone follows you or or retweets you or something, there's a level of awareness by that person or a company now that, they're following because you have a, a specific account for the podcast.
0: Yes, it's well. I have my yeah, you your um, account e- personal, my personal account MC Salma on Twitter, and then EC Journeys AZ on Twitter for right. for that. Yeah, and I'll, it's, I'll it's I mean it the way. link
1: is to the website mm-hmm. for the podcast, and it's like it's you're marketing that way. Yeah, on and Instagram.
0: Yes, right. Yeah.
1: Um. So I mean, indirectly, you you maybe you know there's a credibility. There's a credibility yes. that's established. You have these, even even it's social media accounts, right? And it's it's things that are there, but there's a website. Yes. Someone can go and they can listen to the episodes whenever they want. They can see who you are. They can see the content uh, around. Like here's why. Here's what the podcast is about. Yeah. Here's the people that have been on. Um, it's it's credible. Yeah. You know, and there's a cachet I think around it too, which is in your favor. Yeah. Really being the only, the only real show around this topic that we've found. We've looked, right? We've looked a few times (laughs) (laughs) and trying to find something. Well, because I'm not trying to
0: replicate something that's already out there. And there are um, education podcasts. Oh, there's a lot. You know. um, But
1: Arizona-based, specifics to Arizona and Arizona companies and organizations and people.
0: There's like a teacher-specific one, um, but a lot Mm -hmm. of times there's like a K-12 one here in Arizona, but it's... For what happens is early childhood, some people don't realize that it's birth through third grade. So the K through third grade gets a lot of times um, juntalo, m- mushed up with the K-12 uh, right. demographic, the yeah. K-12 podcast. And K- K-3 K is a, another critical milestone for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times that's why I'm like, no, 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 there's already a K-12 specific kind of podcast that's talking about content in general, but nobody's talking about this teacher's work or highlighting that teacher's work and the frustrations of this thing or whatever, or, or this service that we should highlight and tell others about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I didn't see any anything like that. We have um, Dr. Garcia from Alessi Group has a podcast that's specific to kindergarten called The Kindergarten Experience. Mm-hmm. And then she does one that I finally got her to start doing because she she I know she has a lot to say um called early foundations, and that's just gonna cover that that covers zero through eight everything mm-hmm. um and it's her talking about a certain topic so while there's you know learning opportunities available, but nothing to this and i and I wanted to make sure it had a niche mm-hmm. that it was being Definitely done does. differently
1: yeah so um last couple of questions here um with your show, you h- how much time do you spend with putting together your a, a podcast one episode? Would you say if you had to estimate
0: now, yeah. or in the beginning? Not,
1: well, both <laughs> in the beginning. Well, because it's it's come down now because now you have a like, was, more of a process. Uh, yeah,
0: like in the beginning, I have to say, you guys, I was so excited because I'm like, oh, I want to have my own music, mm-hmm. I want to have my own jingle. Mm-hmm. And that took forever to find it. Yeah, to
1: find it. Not to, yeah.
0: not to say that there's not free music available, but I was I am very much into energy and how things feel, and I needed something to make sure that that was good for me. And the other part was I it was important to put um, Valentina on my intro <laughs> um, because I feel like there are those type of um, academia type of podcast and I didn't want to be like, I didn't want that to be Stuffy. my... Yeah, no, this is candid, real talk, like like my friend Carla says, truth bombs are told here. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, but now I want to say...
1: Like one episode, yeah. How long did it take you to put it together?
0: You like say? two hours because I do a lot mm-hmm. as far as... I don't just produce the the... The episode and i also clip do little audiogram clips mm-hmm. so i i have to listen to it again and kind of see if that was if this is something worth highlighting and why do i want to highlight what is the purpose of this item so
1: that's on the marketing side afterwards though <laughs> yeah right yeah like but but while you're putting the show together you're like marking down oh that was a good sound, uh-huh, bite, sound or bite or something yeah. or quote i might want to use that and yeah. so that's part of it while you're putting it together so it takes you. A I want to say hours. about
0: two hours. Yeah, I have it pretty done, and that's because I'm really um, big about obviously the audio and making sure it just kind of flows. Um, I don't like to edit my podcast because I think I like it raw. I like mm-hmm. it where it should not sound. Yeah, I guess stuffy. I mean, this is I want I want my audience to know like this is just me and I'm just recording this conversation.
1: For, yeah for the type of show that you do it's it's a discussion it's an mm-hmm. interview conversation it's not like a it's not like an NPR like where NPR will do it's produced it's
0: still good <laughs>
1: yeah no it it's is it's still good no, 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 but no. don't
0: compare it to NPR no. listen my favorite
1: my favorite podcast aside from yours is um i listen to bill simmons all the time yeah like, i like and, that and, and that's his, like
0: a phone call well,
1: he's gotten he used to be more so But the like content's that. really
0: good. It's that's, him and someone yeah. else.
1: Like uh, the best shows are it's it's him he's talking to someone. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he does his show specifically. It's it's an interview with one or two other people, usually one other person. But yeah, no, it, that's a great style. That's how most especially newer podcasts that the kind of the, the layperson, right? will will do yeah. is it's like a discussion style because there isn't
0: I do have I do prep for it as far as like talking, like you see, I have my scribbles down here. I definitely do, um, prep for it because I want to make sure I value my guests time. I want to make sure I notate and, uh, you know, say what my guests, where they're from and, and any information that they want to add, because it's an opportunity for them also to inform uh, my community, our our audience, you know, of, of their work. Um, So I I do have like talking points. And that's funny that you say that because yesterday or the day before that here at Phoenix Startup Week, some gentlemen were asking me because they were going to do a podcast, like how I prep for it. And did I write down any talking points? And I said, actually, I do. But that's just kind of just to keep me on track. That's that's, you know, making sure I'm honoring my guest time. You
1: need it. You need I I know the times that I've had I've had to do something without talking points like it's hard it's hard. We, we actually, Roz is sitting here with us producing the show. <laughs> producing the show um, as we talk. And we were, you know, we, we, someone came in and it was like on the spot. Yeah, let's do a, sh- let's, I want, yeah, I want to do a podcast and, and let's go. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't know. It was, it was hard. That yeah. was hard to do. And I, I don't know the person. I know the guy, um, but it, it worked. I think it worked out. It seemed to come out. Okay. Um, yeah. But it was hard. Yeah. So, so
0: yeah. yeah. So after that, I, it's like two hours to produce and then post production, what you call stuff. But how
1: much knowledge did you have of any of this stuff before you started Zero. the show? Zero. Equipment wise Zero. or <laughs> editing. My favorite
0: part was shopping for my microphone.
1: <laughs> no, your favorite part was picking up the music.
0: Okay, yes. And then shopping and then for d- my
1: microphone. Uh, no, I'm just so my <laughs> ranking of your favorite parts. Let's
0: see, what's your perspective? You're f-
1: picking up the music. Thank you, Chillhop.
0: <laughs>
1: um. Uh, then bedazzling your headphones.
0: Well, I have I, to. Any early childhood <laughs> They're shiny. educator knows that you have. You're either glitterized or you're bedazzled. Absolutely,
1: they look great. <laughs> um. And then picking out the microphone. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but you had no knowledge of any of that stuff, and you kind of just I I maybe helped you a little bit. What I didn't really. No,
0: I I did. I researched. Yeah. Your stuff. You and and Adams. Um, more than hashtags, um, my co-host, your co-host Adam Leidecker. Yeah, I listened to a lot of um, other folks online in the same circle of what they were using. Um, there's also like you connected me with a Facebook group that's a podcast, like the New York podcast. Oh, the
1: New York Times podcast yeah. club. It's pretty yeah, big. Yeah, it's pretty big. There's a, there's others st- like a, there's a bunch of yeah there's podcast a people even in Arizona.
0: But, yeah, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so I, it helped me kind of hone in on what style do I want? What you can want to... I replicate? What don't I want to replicate? And, um, you know, I, I've had suggestions as well from other folks as far as how to, you know, what kind of editing they want. And mm-hmm. um, and I've kind of just, okay, you know, thank you for your suggestion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're polite. Thank you for your feedback. Well, because
0: that's not my like. They want certain other sure. kind of things within my podcast, and I think it sounds it would be great. However, with my time constraints, um, I would love to be able to have more time to do that type of more, I guess, fancier editing. Um, <laughs> it's just not feasible. Right it's now. just not I mean, feasible. But you know? I, and I don't think it needs it. I think you keep it pretty real. And I try to keep. I try to keep them. Um, you know, 30 minutes also. Mm -hmm. I don't like this one. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Well, because I know my audience, it's usually, uh, for me at least, it's a a teacher, an educator. And a lot of times they maybe have 15 minutes of a break. um, And so Mm. they're going to have limited time. And while they're probably going to listen to it again, but I know that it's Trying to get them to sit down for that. Yeah, long they'll time. split it up.
1: And, yeah, and then last thing, um, how how actually two two quick last things. One thing is how much did you spend? Would you say total?
0: So I had I already had my Mac. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I use I I've, I've already
1: which is not necessary no, for to no. do a podcast. It's not. I just we, we there's there's things decided. like ZCast. Yes. That were you know Roz runs and yes. and is the founder of that you could even do. Um, to make your own show so there's there's apps right there's zcast or others um but then there's you have your laptop so you have you have iMovie in there some people i know like i use iMovie for better or worse you use iMovie because it's just the way we've learned there's there's other things that you can do um that are even better if you want to take the time to yes learn whatever you're comfortable with um so you had the mac yeah then you went out and bought what
0: my snow my blue snowball mic
1: your mic headphones headphones anything any other like the music you pay like a dollar for
0: i actually or I, something
1: or more a little bit more
0: i donated $5 okay. to that artist
1: okay $5 <laughs> and and so you know grand total what was it under $200 oh my God, easily, easily under 100
0: easily under um 1 150 cuz i the microphone was a, about 100 i believe mm-hmm. it was i think i got it on like a special Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's yeah. not but it's not like the point is it's not like it's crazy, not expensive. It doesn't have to be. No. You, you can put more money into it and get like some higher quality stuff, but just to do it even your own podcast, go out there and just start doing one, you can get away with it's spending a hundred bucks or less. Um, or even less. Yeah, even zero, really. Yeah. You can do it for free.
0: I mean I, I do like I, I do recommend and I know I had told you this, when you are recording, to use an actual microphone. I, I know folks like to use their the little um,
1: oh their headphones, the, sorry, the Apple
0: the Apple um, headphones. headphones and I can totally tell the difference as a listener who was using that and who was using an actual microphone. Mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm also trying really hard to listen to the audio quality um, of it because I'm looking for that for myself. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, that's that was another suggestion. Like I think you need to have an actual microphone.
1: Cool, and we'll end it on this. Mm-hmm. Um, what now that you've been doing it for a while? Um, what would you have as aside from that, the microphone thing? Mm-hmm. Um, what is a, a a more higher level a higher level tip? A more thirty thousand foot kind of tip you would have for someone that. They're, they're hearing this and they're like, oh, I, I think I want to start my own podcast. Like, what would you recommend for them? And, and as to why, like, what, what it, how are they going to benefit from it? And, and, and why should they do it?
0: I think they should do it because it provides an opportunity to get outside of your comfort zone and to make connections that you wouldn't have done before. Um, you wouldn't have had, you know, pursued that. Um, it, you never know what connection is going to lead you to your next maybe job referral, maybe um, event. Um, gosh.
1: Opportunities. Opportunities. Yeah. yeah.
0: Opportunities. And I, I, I love my early childhood peeps, but I certainly am very grateful um, in meeting folks outside of my field that continue to push me to keep doing the podcast and my work um, and learning more about this this yeah this tool, this tech.
1: Mm-hmm. Well thank you for your time, Marisa. You did a good job, honey. So did you. <laughs> and Roz did the best job.
0: Okay, now for the after show. Thera- <laughs> marriage Therapy. <Yeah. laughs>
1: this has been early childhood journeys. Um it was a pleasure hosting, guest hosting with my guest, Marisa Calderon. Marisa Olek Calderon. Um <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and uh, thanks for hanging in there for this whole, this extra longer episode than than normal. Um,
0: That's Vinny's fault.
1: But that's it. Live live from Startup Week. This is this has been great. (laughs) Yes, thank
0: you so much for having this opportunity to have. Yeah, in the the
1: ZCast pop up podcast studio, studio. and that's it.
0: I mean